And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Tuesday. We are live from the bunker. Welcome, everyone. Jason Hunt here. I am the editor-in-chief. Top dog, Mr. Boss, the hardest working man on YouTube, I'm told. And I'm perfectly fine making that a bit, you know. Coming up tonight, we have the 100th episode of Salacious Crumbs. With our host, McKenna Talley. That's coming up tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. And I am wearing my Salacious Crumbs t-shirt. So I'm ready for tonight. Hello, everyone, and uh, thanks for joining us. The chat is open. Cam1138, welcome. Hello. And uh, if you have comments or thoughts to share, you can do that in the live chat. If you want to send us a super chat or a super sticker, that's more than fine as well. And uh, what we can do there is uh, uh, take that and put it toward camera gear or travel to Star Trek Las Vegas if, if that's happening. Mrs. Boss over here diligently working away on uh, updating our events information. We keep tabs on a lot of different things going on in that regard. And over on the other side of the Internet, for those of you who may not be aware yet, the H2O podcast and this show, Live from the Bunker, now both available in the brand new podcast section of Amazon Music. Very happy to have that over there. We're also on iHeartRadio, H2O, and live from the bunker as well. Uh, both available there. And I got some feedback earlier this week. Robert said he was about halfway through my book that I wrote, The Hero at the End of His Row. But go ahead and throw another plug in there. I got a... I got an email this week from from Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing saying that I'm going to get a royalty. And I looked it up, and it's 80 cents. We're at tall cotton now. So there we are. So kind of a nothing burger story, to uh, nothing burger day today. Although, uh, looking at some of the feedback, uh, we did get a note last night during the H2O podcast, speaking of which. Uh, we got, we were talking about remakes that were better than the reboot. Our, our remakes that were better than the original, rather. And we were talking about various different shows and different films and, and whatnot. And we got some email from Ricky who said, uh, we, cause at some point, every now and again, you'll talk about a reboot that's not good and not as good as the original and uh, Ricky sent in some feedback saying Land of the Lost was probably one of the worst uh, reboots to come out of anything. Let me see if I can pull that up. I should have had that already. Land of the Lost. He says, oh, that's not it. The worst remake of a show from the past was the Land of the Lost feature film that starred Will Ferrell. It took everything I loved about the show and trashed it. 
and that happens. And and we have talked a number of times on uh, various different uh, topics about remakes that essentially kind of trashed the original source material. I mean, you look at the Dukes of Hazard. You look at you look at Starsky and Hutch, and uh, it is. Yeah, let's let's do this thing that I grew up watching, but oh, look how hokey it is, and it ends up being a parody. And I, I will I will say to my dying day, Hollywood always learns the wrong lessons. Hello, Robert in the chat. Robert says again, I've acted on Sci-Fi for Me advice last night. Tim mentioned League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a comic too, which I didn't know. And bought them to read Waiting in the Doctor's Office today. So enjoy those. It is very Alan Moore, those titles. Uh, and you do you do have to be awake and alert and paying attention when you read those. I will say that. Uh, hopefully this Doctor's Office visit today is a routine thing and nothing serious. We hope that goes well. And um, let's see. We've got four... According to the stats, we have four concurrent viewers. So all of you out there who are watching right now, um, feel free to share the link and tell people that you're watching this show. I don't remember, but when we were talking one night at dinner about comics, didn't you recommend that one for me possibly later yes. as I learn how to do this? Yes, it is on it is on the list. Uh, the, a very long list of uh, of of titles to consume. Well, and to better explain to everybody, I have read one comic book in my life, which, <laughs> as you see there with him laughing, <coughs> Mr. Boss decided early in our relationship to go ahead and let me borrow. His six issues of Superman. The, the John Byrne Man of Steel reboot that followed Crisis on Infinite Earths. And basically, I did read the first one carefully because, you know, it's precious stuff to him. Hey, it's it, I, I got it when it was brand new and I put it in the I put I bagged it as soon as it was new. And I. It was like, um, yeah, okay, whatever. <coughs> and I do apologize for that. However, I am not going to give up easily. So while I was out one day, we had a long conversation, you know, about different characters to read about in the comics and mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, we've talked about just getting the regular, what you call them, floppies versus graphic novels. Well, it, it, it depends. Some people call them floppies. They're called monthly issues, periodicals. Uh, you have those, and then you have the graphic, no, the original graphic novel. So if you're, if you're looking at the solicitations, if it says OGN, that means original graphic novel, that is brand new story never been published before if you have a collection or if you have a collected arc story arc you have the the graphic novel or the trade paperback is another another version of that another thing um and then yes you have the the monthly single issues sometimes called floppies there are some people that don't like that term floppies <laughs> for single for single issues um there's there are some who are of the opinion that that's kind of a derogatory term. I don't see any problem with it because it's a floppy. It's 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 not. I mean it. I could see it, it being. Flops. A, I could see it being a, a a term if you were to sit there and look at me and say, "Babe, that dress makes you look floppy." <laughs> it's a. That's a different. That's a different kind of. No, I one, I would never say that. And two, I would never say that. So, yeah. Uh stop anyway. stop says I can hear Mindy's boredom through the internet. <laughs> it, comic books I don't think are her thing. She's she's oh, well, making she's making a good faith effort 
to understand an aspect of this whole thing, this collect this this collective fandom that I've fallen thing. into. Yes. Yes. So she, so, it's a, you know, she's making an effort to understand, and and I'm and I'm fine with that, and I appreciate the effort. So I was out and about hitting up a couple of the you know half price bookstores around here, and I decided that I was going to look at. I was going to look at what they had in the used section of uh, comics or graphic novels because they've got comics separates, you know, the single guys. And since I have started watching TV shows and so forth, I've picked up a couple characters that I'm interested in. And so I have picked up two different graphic novels. One is The Flash, because it's kind of a guilty pleasure on watching CW. And let's clarify that the the, the, the graphic novel that she picked up, it's a collected graphic novel. It is the initial first few issues of the new 52 reboot of mm-hmm. The Flash. So it's not The Flash, it's The Flash. It, it, it is, and Mr. Boss did sit there and point out, because it does sit there and say New 52 on there, which is, you know, a, not a good thing-ish. But at the same time, I'm, I'm giving it a try. This is a Barry Allen that I do know because I do watch no, the show. It, it, that's, that's not, is it Barry? It is Barry. Is it Barry? Okay. Yeah, he, he and, he and uh, what's her name are not together. They're, they're still flirting. A little bit, but not not really. So, but I and I do. I have read the first one in it. So, and I'm I'm fine with it. I see where it's going. I'm okay with it, and mm. I'm I'm actually following this with interest, which is more than I can say for Superman. Yeah. Now the other the other and one. The, the, you, now why why is it okay? So, so let me <laughs> let me ask you this because the John Byrne Man of Steel run, uh, especially that first six issues, is considered. An excellent story. So, why did you not get into that? I felt like I was reading the movie. Reading a movie? The movie. The. Mo- I mean, because well, it's, it's his very, origin it's story. His origin story, and it's kind of like been there, done that. Maybe if I had read something that wasn't that was new to me, I wouldn't have been bored. I now, have. And I, I have understand. totes. I have five. Trust six, me, I know how many. How many? Totes how many you have. got now? Seven, seven totes back there that have all the comic books yeah, you could ever want to read. I, I know, but at the same time, I mean, Superman's cool. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. However, I'm trying to find characters I'm kind of interested in as well, so that maybe if I am reading something similar. To their origin story that I already know that maybe I'm actually going to be a little bit more into it. I don't know. (laughs) Now, the second one that I did pick up, and this is because my super guilty pleasure that I absolutely love to death is the show on CW, Legends of Tomorrow. Because it's just so bat crazy that it makes sense in my mind. And (laughs) one of the characters is... And I will say this correct, Constantine. Yes, John Constantine. Which, and if anybody listens to the H2O podcast, Mr. Harvey always has wonderful things to say about Constantine. And the fact that both Mr. Boss and Mr. Harvey have talked about the one that is being shown on Legends of Tomorrow is more faithful to the original Constantine. Yeah, and and that goes back to the NBC series where Matt Ryan was was initially introduced as as the character because um, prior to that, in terms of filmed media, the only version that we had had was Keanu Reeves playing Constantine with Dana Meyer in the movie, and I don't even remember who else was in there, but it wasn't comics accurate and the one problem that we had that, that that tim and i both had but tim especially had with the nbc version of constantine one the fact that everybody keeps mispronouncing the name two the fact that they never would let him smoke because that's a that's a key element of the character and it, it, at least he looked and sounded and acted like constantine and he's able to do a little bit more of that 
in Legends of Tomorrow in the CW thing. And of course, Matt Ryan is playing Constantine in the animated stuff as well. And there's a lot of people who are hoping that he'll play the character again in the Justice League Dark movie, which could be moving forward. Uh, we're also getting word that there's a Zatanna film, uh, a Zatanna solo film that could be in the works. Um, and maybe he'll show up there because they were an item for a while. So, yeah, it's it's his performance, his portrayal is much closer to comics accurate than Keanu Reeves' version. Now, when we were at the store, because this time when I went into the store, Mr. Boss was with me at the same time, and they had two different graphic novels. And see, originally when I had looked, I was looking under Constantine, and he had to remind me that I had to be looking under Hellblazer. Yes. So at this point, I found two different ones, and he directed me to the one by... Well, it's Garth Ennis. It's not the beginning of the run, mm -hmm. but it's in that Vertigo run, not the New 52 run. So which it would is be, going to more be more of the character that I like. Well, it's, it's more the original character. Whether you're going to like it or not depends on, you know, after you read the book, you can decide. Um, Robert making a, a, a comment in the chat. I suspect many might be more interested in another subgenre of comic than superhero. Um, maybe. What you're gonna have to educate me. Well, um, well, comics. There are you know you've got your capes, you've got your superhero comics. There are science fiction comics like um, uh, Jeff Lemire who just did Sentient. Okay. which is about spaceships and, and, you know, colony stuff. And you could do, uh, there are, there's the horror comic book, like the the old EC Comics type of thing. Vault, so basically what people don't normally, the regular, okay, I don't mean this in any mean way, but the regular population who just kind of looks at comic books, they think superheroes. They don't think the fact that, this guy who's standing in the corner of the shadow could have his own series type thing. Well, yeah, and 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 really, the way the market has gone, a lot of comic books are superhero comics. But at the same time, you go back and you look at the history of comics, there were westerns, there were romance. I mean, Marvel Comics, before it was Marvel Comics, they were timely comics, they published a bunch of romance comic books, which is where... Um, Patsy Walker came from. Patsy Walker was a romance title from Timely, and she ended up getting a cameo in a Fantastic Four book and ended up becoming a Marvel character, and she ended up becoming Hellcat. And she's she was on... Um, uh, Jessica Jessica yeah. Jones series. So that, that was her that best character. friend. Who she started in the pages of Timely Comics. And as Sci-Fi Snob points out, DC means detective comics. They were noir crime uh, stuff before before they were b before Batman. <laughs> well, and the thing, and the one thing I'm now I did start with the Flash first because it is a character I know more about just because, like I said, I watched the show. And when I finish that, then I will go over to the Constantine one. Now, one of the things that did surprise me that I never knew, so it was kind of my wow moment-ish, with the crossover that they had, Crisis on Infinite Earths, was the fact that Lucifer made a cameo. And mm -hmm. we're talking about the same Lucy that we see on the show, yeah. Lucifer, which is another guilty pleasure that I love and need to catch up on. And so I kind of just turned to Mr. Boss with this look of excitement, besides Bebo, like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Because all of a sudden, Lucy's there talking and, you know, making fun of calling Constantine actually Constantine in the show and that's when it was pointed out that I guess Lucifer 
how did how how Vertigo Vertigo Comics. Lucifer showed up in Vertigo Comics and he, and and he was in that same run. Uh he spun out and I can't remember for sure if he spun out of Swamp Thing same as as Constantine did or if he spun out of Hellblazer. I want to say he spun out of Hellblazer. Uh, if anybody in the chat knows for sure, let me know because I was not a big Vertigo Comics reader. I read DC. I didn't read a whole lot of Vertigo because Vertigo back then concentrated more on the more gritty horror, scary, thriller type of things. And I wasn't that interested in those. And uh, it it never it was okay. Okay, that's what Vertigo was publishing. It's you know I'm more into the, if I'm reading a comic book. My first thing is superhero comics, but I also can appreciate some of the other stuff. Um, but yeah, during back during those days, I was like, well, okay, that's yeah, I need to go back and read some of them. I mean, I have a long list of stuff that I need to go back and catch up on. Uh, not just in comics, but also TV and, and films. So everybody's got that list. Everybody's got that one list of things you haven't seen, you haven't read, that you need to, but you just either at the time don't, didn't have interest or didn't have the time at, at that moment or you know some other, some other reason why you just never got around to doing it. And that actually kind of leads me circled around to a, a, a Twitter response that we got this morning. Somebody suggesting that we needed to be covering the outpost a little bit more because it's, you know, it's an excellent show and we need to be we need to be covering it. And it's and it's going into season three over on the CW. And I remember I remember when it premiered, I remember hearing about it, and I, and now hearing that it's in season three, I'm thinking, where did the time go? Uh, but I'm hearing some really good things about it, and it's on that list of things to catch up on. Um, I've said, you know, we've said several times, you know, Mindy and I are, are watch, going through Farscape now, and we're going through Stargate, and we're going through, uh, we've started on X-Men Animated and we've started on um, Gargoyles. We're going through Gargoyles. But the idea here then is, you know, well, there's a list. You know, I'm behind on the Orville. I, I have not seen uh, the Outpost. I'm behind on the 100. And we got to talking about other things that shows, shows that we haven't seen, shows that we need to, to look at. And I got to thinking about some of those. And she was asking me the other day, she's like, have you ever heard of this show called Lex? Because apparently it came up with conver in conversation with one of her coworkers. And so I've started a list. And Lex is on there. Cleopatra 2525 is on there. It shows that we need to, we need to watch just for the completest uh, status. Uh, Mutant X, of course. X-Files. Um, Red Dwarf. So the outpost is on there. So I'm going to put it to you out there in the chat and, and anybody that's listening or, or watching uh, in in re replay later, you can leave a comment or you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. Leave us your suggestions. What shows should we have already seen or what should we catch up on? Uh, because these are the essentials. So what are the essentials for you? Um, way back in the day, you had stuff like ARC 2. And these are, these are things that I need to, to introduce Mindy to. ARC 2, Jason of Star Command, Dr. Shrinker, Wonderbug, all of the, all of the Croft stuff, the Bugaloos. But what else... What else is out there? Red Dwarf, Andromeda. Any anyone else got anything suggestions to to add to that list? Because an informed 
staff makes for better content when we create this stuff for you. So uh, we've got plenty of books to read. And we've got I've got comic books in the tote, so that's uh, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got plenty that I need to um, sit Mindy down in front of it and and uh, get her to to see this stuff. Young Justice, Batman: Brave and the Bold, um, the Justice League animated series. Uh, but what else? What are some of the more obscure shows? Greatest American Hero. We talked about that. Uh, somebody mentioned that uh, last night in the in the in the uh, in the chat. Writing this stuff down. If anybody has suggestions, I am open to that. In the meantime, let me tell you here real quick, because I haven't mentioned it yet, we do have a discount code over at SuperheroStuff.com. You can get 10% off your order when you uh, use the promo code sci for me 10 Save yourself a little bit of money there. Sci-Fi Snob says, Original Hitchhiker's Guide Television. That's the, that's the BBC production, right? I'll write that down. All right. Making the list, checking it twice. Um, yeah, okay, BBC. What else? There's there's so much. See, and that's the other thing. It's there are there are plenty of things out there to to watch, even in just in genre, but yeah, also other genre. Um Black Adder, I think, you know, I want to say I ran across discussion that Black Adder actually is maybe a genre-ish um, because maybe he's a time traveler. I don't know. I, I, I may have it or I may be misremembering that, but somebody somebody had said something about um, that being a possibility. And, of course, you've got um, Quartermass, which uh, has been given a little bit of a nice little uh, connection into the original Doctor Who series. Um, yes, Minister. What is Yes, Minister about, Robert? I don't know that I've heard of that one. I think I've heard the title, but I don't know that I know what it's about. Um We've got, I've got the uh, full run of the original Survivors television series, which um, I've, I've asked Mindy if she's interested, and so far not so much, given the fact that the whole thing's about a pandemic. Um, about what? Survivors, the BBC show. It's about a, a disaster and people who, who have survived... Uh, pretty much the end of the world. It's a, it's a dystopian type of thing. It's a very, it's a very good series. The remake, not so much, but the original is, is very good. Okay. Um, but at the time I suggested it, you were like, eh, eh, eh. Well, it depends on what I'm in the mood to watch. Too. I know, I know, I know. The original 80s version of V. Yes, we've seen the miniseries. Um, and at some point I should inflict the, the TV series on her. Just like I want to inflict the stand on you. Well, and and you know that's that's on the list. I mean, it's the stuff. You. Know. It's one of those things you have to. I have to catch you in the right mood because I know it's not your thing. I'm not a big horror, scary type, and I know the stand is not horror so much like blood and gore and and you know, slasher type stuff. But it's. Uh, I've never been a big Stephen King fan. But think of so. it more of a thriller. Stephen yeah. King has his moments that are good. I mean, The Shining was good. The movie was hilarious. Dreamcatcher was good. The movie was complete. Things that I cannot say on here. Mm -hmm. The casting was good, though. However, the movie 
not so much. But the book is really, really good. Well, okay. Now you're you are movie or the miniseries? For which one? For for The Shining. I want to. I have the miniseries or The Shining. Oh, the one with Jack Nicholson and um, yeah, that's the movie. Olive Oil. What's her name? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Yeah, that's the movie. There was a miniseries that ABC did where they actually shot it at the Stanley Hotel. Have you seen that one? I have not that's seen that. That's with Stephen now, Weber. Okay, and I'm not saying one's better. I mean, the book the book scared the living daylights out of me. The movie had me laughing the entire time and walking around with my finger saying red rum is more of a joke than anything. So okay. that that's why I say the movie... I, I was hoping the movie would do something to me like the book did, and it did not. You know, funny story. The um, the Stan the Stanley Kubrick production of The Shining almost killed The Empire Strikes Back. How? Well, because Kubrick was using those uh, uh, Mazers. Uh, ma welcome. Good to see you there. Uh, she's talking about the movie edition of uh, The Shining with Jack Nicholson. Kubrick was shooting that, and they had a fire that put them behind, and they were using the studios that were scheduled for The Empire Strikes Back to come in there after he was done. And the longer he went and the later they got, the more everybody started to worry that they weren't going to be able to do The Empire Strikes Back because the studios wouldn't be available. Fun little bits of trivia that you get here. This is why I drag you to the random trivia nights. We haven't been to one of those in a very long time. And I'm not really big on those because... But you're full of useless knowledge people there are people around and and as 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 you can see here in the in the shot that we've got here there are not a whole lot of people here and i'm perfectly fine with <laughs> no people mazer says i thought it was sad that kubrick's shining didn't follow the book until i saw that horrific made for tv version in the late 80s early 90s that did follow the book <laughs> Uh, Robert says, perhaps the best part of The Shining is the documentary, Room Whatever, a brilliant critique of The Shining. I haven't seen that. Well, I may have to, may have to check that out. Uh, what is it, 217 is the room number? I can't remember. I've been there. Um, oh, I have been there. So that's an opportunity for me to promote something on our site. Let me, uh, let me go over here. Is my microphone doing something weird to anybody else? Does it does it sound strange? Because every now and again, it's it, I don't know if it's my headphones or if it's my ears. I mean, I'm I'm looking at all of the blinkies. The blinkies all look the 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 right the right thing, but suddenly I'm 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 sounding muffled. Okay, Major says I sound normal, so I guess it's just me then. Okay. No, you sound like you've got your perfect radio voice on. Mm -hmm. Okay, here it is. We did, I did a thing. My family took a trip uh, to Estes Park, Colorado one year, a few years ago, when um, my kid was much, much younger. And I had the opportunity while I was there to take a look around at the Stanley Hotel. And I got to do an article about it. And there's the link there in the chat. We got to do an article. I got to do an article about it and talk to some people. They actually have ghosts. Haven't you ever watched the Ghost Hunters? That no. used to be back in the day, years and years and years ago. But they would do a 24-hour stream from on Halloween. And they've done it from the Stanley, and yeah, it it is haunted. Some of the stories that come out of there uh, are tragic. There are a couple of them that are rather humorous, but one, the, probably for me, 
the most fascinating story doesn't have anything to do with the supernatural elements of the hotel. It has to do with the fact that um, in one of the in the main in the main hall in the main building of the hotel, the main hotel building itself, on one wing, there's a dining room with a grand piano, and it's the same. The piano that's there now is the same piano that was there from the beginning. And it was tuned by John Philip Sousa's father. John, No, by John Philip Sousa, if I remember right. And he would, he carved, the story, the story is he carved his name in the underside of the interior of the piano when he tuned it with the date and all of that. And when they restored the piano, they got rid of those. Oh. I know, right? Wow. I'm like, why would you do that? This is a little piece of history. But Mrs. Stanley uh, would go in and play for the guests. And she was very hospitable and very, very, you know, did work the room and circulated and what up. And in the music hall, which stands uh, separate from the from the hotel, the story is that she, her ghost, is still there. You can still smell the perfume that she wore every now and again when she comes in, and and, and apparently she shows up during events because her thing at the time was anytime there was an event in the music hall she would stand up in the balcony and she would look out over the crowd and make sure that everybody was mingling. And if she saw, if she saw anyone who looked like they were kind of off on their own, not having a good time or not feeling like they were included, she would make a beeline to them and, how you doing, how's it going, and, and get them circulating and, and make them feel welcome as a guest, and they say that she still does that. I think, which I think is interesting. I think one of the other more, there's two other places in the hotel, if I'm remembering right, that are more haunted than, um, that have a little bit more history. If I remember right, above that area, there's um, where the servants or the people who are working there's an area that has a wall that goes between the two. And I think a lot of times they've like written in like names, kind of like someone tagged something, blah, blah, blah was here or something. But it's people who have worked there before and you can. And I think that area has been more haunted than others. And then I want to say there's an that underneath there's some tunnels that go through. There's the there are there are rooms there are rooms in the basement of the of the music hall, mm-hmm. and there's at least one ghost there from a young lady who was homeless, mm-hmm. and she was staying there. And I want to say her name was Sarah or Anna or Mary or something like that. And and it, this is in the article. You can see. I need to go back and look at it myself. But um, apparently, she was staying there until the hotel. The hotel apparently was forced to kick her out. And it was winter, and she ended up freezing to death in the park. And her ghost is still, allegedly, in the basement of the music hall. And then you've got... Um, then you've got the old custodian manager, uh, groundskeeper, uh, the, the, the night maintenance, the, the night manager, I guess, who was a, v- a very big stickler for the curfew because at the time he was working at the hotel, there was a curfew. This is early 1900s, I guess. And he's still apparently a stickler for the curfew and the noise. And uh, the story is when they were going back in and they were, redo- they were renovating the music hall. A lot of this has to do with the music hall, but there are ghosts in the main hotel as well. But when they when they were renovating the music hall, they had a guy in there at night refinishing the floors. They had wood floors in there, so they were refinishing the floors. And 
they were doing it at night because they were using the facility during the day, and this guy would come in late at night and do the overnight and, and work on the floors. Well, apparently, our, our night manager took exception to that, and the guy working on the floors had headphones on, so he couldn't hear anything, right? So the ghost apparently physically picked him up and moved him and set him down away from his floor sander because he was making too much noise. Because it was after hours, and you're not allowed to make noise. And that guy, the next day, walked into the office, returned the deposit on the work, and left never to come back ever again. So they had to get somebody else to come in and finish the floors. But it's those stories are like, wow. Those are cool. Yeah, so when when something like that happens, and of course, he's by himself, so there's no way to know if any of this stuff is true or not. But they do make for some interesting stories and some fascinating stories. So that that's, uh, you can read you can read some of those stories. And they still do... Uh, paranormal ghost hunter excursions I would at the Stanley Hotel. And I would love to do that because I've done that up here at the Belvoir uh, winery that's up in the Liberty area. Did a, It was a, started at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night, did a few hours. And with where the winery is, the next door building is was a home for... Uh, kind of like, um, I don't want to call it an old folks home, but an old folks home. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's one of those situations where you have to be extremely careful because it is so broken down, certain places you can and can't go and so forth. And um, we went to a few different places on the property. Now they did the, you know, tried true, here's the, flashlight that has the back where you can sit there and tap on it and it'll turn it on or off put it on the floor it does its thing i mean it and it did we we did have some activity on that they did have some different gear for us to hold but the most interesting aspect of that night we were in the hallway in the retirement home and holding out these I don't remember what the equipment was called, but basically if there was going to be another voice in the room that we couldn't quite pick up on, that would pick it up Mm -hmm. and kind of bring it through. And the guy who had been doing our tour with our little group had made some comment. And one of the people in our group had made a really not a bad joke as in dirty, but kind of like one of those dad jokes where everybody groans, but it was so bad that nobody even groaned on it except one of the pieces of equipment Mm -hmm. groaned. And all of us are kind of looking around like, was that one of you or what was that? The, you know? Yeah. So I, it was an, I, I would love to be able to have that experience somewhere else go through and see if something happens i like that stuff it would probably scare the living daylights out of me but i want to experience it when i was in college uh the first time around i was at i spent uh my first two years of college was at uh, we're at oklahoma christian university and there are two theaters there uh hardeman auditorium and judd theater judd theater is a little black box theater space and Hardeman is the big stage space. And there are apparently ghosts there as well. Um, Judd, the smaller space, has a light in the uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the house lights. Apparently, despite all of the work to to correct this 
there was a light that would shine specifically on one seat. And no matter what anybody did to change the alignment or the brightness or the, I mean, replacing the bulb, moving the, moving the fixture, this light would shine almost like a spotlight on this one seat. And Judd apparently is haunted, so I'm told. And Hardman, uh, Hardman Auditorium has a ghost. And, and there was a time, I was, t- I'm, I was told a story, this happened before I was there, that there was a group of students who were there late at night building sets, getting ready for a production or whatnot, and there were, there were noises. And they couldn't find where the noises were coming from. And so they're looking around throughout the shop. There's, 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 they're, they're looking around all over. And one, somebody, one, of the, one of the students went up and opened the door to the roof. And there were footsteps in the snow, footprints in the snow walking away from the door. But nobody had been there. So, you know, it's when it's just like, well, okay, maybe. If you don't see it for yourself, if you don't experience it for yourself, you don't know for sure. And, you know, reliable witnesses being what they are, is that something to be believed or not? That's, that's the question. Robert says, there are unsubstantiated rumors the opening drive to the Stanley Hotel was filmed on the Icefields Parkway in Jasper National Park in Alberta. I don't know I don't know for sure. Are you talking about in the in the miniseries or the movie? Cuz they used the they actually used the hotel itself for the miniseries. The the movie Kubrick's movie was shot at Elstree Studios in London. But if you go back and like it was John Philip Sousa who tuned the piano. And Mrs. Stanley apparently still plays the piano when nobody's in the room. The fourth floor of the ha- of the hotel apparently is the most haunted. There are... Um, now, I don't remember if I'm getting this one mixed up with one that's in the Vermont area. Um, I think it's the Washington something or other, which is actually a much more haunted hotel than the Stanley. But does is the Stanley have the one with the woman who in one of the rooms she has been heard to be talking while in her bed stating her name and things like it's a I want to say that it's one of those res, a resu, residual hauntings that doesn't sound familiar okay then it must be the i just i remember there's a hotel that's in the vermont area that looks very similar to the stanley but it is considered it is much more haunted than this and Mm -hmm. i get the two of them flip sometimes mazer says kind of off topic was going to say if i visited any movie hotel my first choice would be the grand hotel in 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 mackinac island michigan or they did somewhere in time. <laughs> and see, I sit there and I think about some people that we know. It seems like just before the pandemic, this last summer, not this summer, but the summer before, I want to say I knew at least three or four different people who went there on vacation. And none of them were are related to each other. It was just kind of like, oh, I randomly know this many people who are going there randomly. But... We heard good things and bad things. There are five ghosts on the fourth floor of the hotel. Lord Dunraven, who has a habit of feeling up the female guests. (laughs) You have three children. And then there's the ghost of a cowboy, and the staff speculates that he was hanged the day before he was exonerated. So. That was those probably the, me. Those are, those are some of the different ones. And, and really, there's one, probably the most tragic one of all of them is the story of Mrs. Wilson, who was one of the housekeepers on the property, back during the time when they had gas lamps before there was electricity in the hotel. 
And this is back before they had the additive to make the gas something you could smell. Because natural gas by itself doesn't have that smell. And apparently there was a leak on the second floor near the governor's suite. And Mrs. Wilson making her rounds, lighting the lamps, and that entire side of the hotel exploded. And she was nearly killed, and she, she was in the hospital. Mr. Stanley was the first to visit her and said that she was guaranteed a job and he would take care of her for as long as she decided she wanted to stay there. And she outlived him by a year. But the, 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 the ghost story for her is that she still makes the rounds as the housekeeper and apparently sometimes even straightens, straightens your, your room uh, when you're gone. Because some people have said they come back and the shoes are neatly arranged and the, and the, and the bed's made and, and nobody's been in there. So it's, it's, it, is, it is interesting to see some of these stories as they go through and, and you, have, you have people sit there and go, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and apparently when they were shooting Dumb and Dumber, they were up there at some point. And Jim Carrey stayed in room 217, which is where Stephen King stayed. And Jim Carrey was there one night and he got a room at a Holiday Inn. And apparently has never spoken about why. And uh, to uh, Cam eleven eighty three, I've stayed yep. at the Queen Mary myself several times when I lived in Los Angeles, and I have seen the I've seen the videos from haunted rooms there. And I have seen, you know, when they've had uh, teams go and do any type of paranormal, you know, just seeing what's going on there. I've heard the stories, you know, down from the the uh, the swimming pool to some of the rooms. I think there's footage of a bed being made, unmade, that they've gotten before. Sadly, in the few times I have stayed there, I've never had those experiences again. <laughs> they're welcome to come and spook me. <laughs> but no, the, the Queen Mary's gorgeous, first of all. And staying there is definitely an experience. Uh, Sci-Fi Stop says ghosts aren't real. They're just fifth dimensional energy beings. You know, it, okay, I'm going to, go, I'm going to wander into some territory here that I don't normally do uh, in terms of the, you know, the question of whether or not ghosts are real, because there are people who think they're not. There are people who think yeah, absolutely they are. And for the longest time, I have been skeptical, and I kind of am. However, <clears throat> for those who are of a biblical bent, there are passages in Scripture that talk about um, the undead, I guess, the, the, the ghosts of people who have passed. I'm thinking specifically, you know, there's a passage where King Saul uh, employs the, the, the uh, services of a witch to call the spirit of the prophet Samuel after Samuel was dead. So the ghost of Samuel comes back and says, how dare you do this stuff? Don't do this. This is not good. And this is that whole have no truck with witchcraft type of thing. So there are stories in the Bible that would give some credence to the idea that there are ghosts, that there are, are, are spirits. But there's nothing there that would lead me to believe that these ghosts are still here walking the planet, walking the earth. So it, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, it's kind of sort of 
Um, yeah, ghosts are real, but I don't know how much ghosts would interact with the physical existence that we have here. So it's 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 dodgy. So, uh, but I do think that there is something to it. Maybe not necessarily what you might experience or what you might describe as an experience, but who knows? I mean, there are things beyond our understanding that we encounter all the time. And as we have learned from some different uh, information that has been released by the United States Air Force, you know, the UFOs might be a thing. So, yeah, are they real or are they not? Are they weather balloons? Are they ghosts? I think there is something to it, but I don't know enough about it. And I don't have that much interest in going on a ghost hunting excursion, uh, for example. Um, but I might read up on it a little bit. Who knows? Maybe add that to the list of the things what we need to to catch up on, and I've got a good I've got a good list here uh, for catching up both myself and things to introduce uh, uh, Mindy to. Oh wait, Tim mentioned Logan's Run last night. I want to add that to the list. Uh, we need to finish Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Um. <clears throat> Sci-Fi <laughs> Stop says, at this point in our civilization, no aliens want to visit us too boring. I don't know that we're necessarily too boring. We're too chaotic and 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 fighting amongst ourselves isn't to there a, be of interest. Isn't there a meme out there with a UFO and a couple aliens? They're like, oh, look, it's Earth. Lock your doors. <laughs> I could believe it. I could believe it. Uh, you know, given given the current state of affairs of our civilization these days, I can fully accept the notion that we are not of any interest. Um, Sci-Fi Snob says, you talk to them, we're too boring. Mazer says, I want to go back and rewatch all the Space Academy and Jason of Star Command in that order. Because that, yep, that's, that's the order. Because Space Academy was first. And yes, James Doohan was in that. And then it was... Um, Oh, Dr. Smith. What was his name? Oh. Who played Dr. Smith? He was in there. The second... Uh, Harris. Jonathan Harris played the commander in the second, uh, the second season. And that also featured Mino Pelus, who ended up opposite John Eric Hexum in Voyagers, which was a rather product of its time time travel series. Do you remember that show that uh, Matthew Labrador was in after he was on Little House on the Prairie? It was the uh, what was that what was that show called that they were they were um, I don't want to say geniuses, but there was um, there was this group Labrador. Matthew Labrador. Let me look at this real quick because I just now remembered this show that he was on. Um, let's see. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Red Hand Gang, Little House, Whiz Kids. Quiz Kids. You guys remember Whiz Kids? How many of you are old enough to remember that that show? You had Whiz Kids. You had Maze, uh, um, Space Academy. Jason Star Command. You had. Voyagers, which is different, is not it's not Star Trek Vo uh, Voyager. It's a it's a time travel one. This is this is uh, John Eric Hexum before he was in that spy uh, that spy show uh, where he ended up accidentally killing himself. Stunt prop guns are just as dangerous, folks. You always, always, always exercise gun safety even around a prop. Okay, well, I have my list. I have a long list. And if anybody wants to add to this list, feel free. You can leave a comment uh, below. Uh, or if you're listening to this on a podcast, you can leave a comment or, or send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom We managed to fill an hour. And uh, we did it without a plan. So there we go. It, it happens because... 
I'm just that good, I guess, or something. Don't forget, tonight we have our brand new live Salacious Crumbs episode 100 with the latest Star Wars news, rumor, speculation, idle gossip, random chatter. That's coming up tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, live here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. In the meantime, make sure that you are subscribed, have your notifications turned on, and feel free to share. And even if you're, you know, participating without subscribing, that's fine too. We do appreciate all of you for being here. Thanks, everybody, in the chat. And we will be back here live from the bunker tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll do it all again. Bye. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.